this morning out of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 23. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. But do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the shoulders of others. But they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all students. And call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of God for the people of God. We had our monthly administrative board meeting on Tuesday night in the room right here below us. We call it Community Hall. About 140 of us gathered together. We had changed our agenda a little bit because we had s- several special reports or features that we wanted to share with our administrative board as the leadership of our church. One of them was about our Sistema Tulsa Orchestra and our new staff person who will be program director, Jose Luis Hernandez Estrada. He's a piano performance major by undergraduate before he studied conducting, so we had him play on the piano, a beautiful piece from Chopin. And then he talked about why he was so excited to be here in Tulsa, to be a part of a program that offered students who otherwise would not have opportunity to study music a top-flight, quality musical program striving for excellence, which instilled discipline and helped raise aspirations. And how a program like that helps students not only in their music program, but in the classroom and beyond, and in fact, helps the whole family strive and rise and break the cycle of poverty often and become productive citizens that serve others. It was a great lead-in to our next special feature. We had a group of our youth come up who had done outstanding community service over the last year. There's a new award that's become available the last few years called the Presidential Volunteer Service Award. Both our middle school youth group and our senior high group had served in so many different ways that they were receiving this award. Plus, not only our youth group, but about 20 of our youth had done particularly large numbers of hours of service beyond the minimum required for the Award and they were being recognized as well. Some of them had done more than a hundred hours of community service over the last year. Some of them had done over 200 hours of community service. A couple of them had done over 300 hours of community service across Tulsa. And we were recognizing them. Accolades to you who are parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles. Mentors, teachers, supporters of our youth mission and ministry program because you've instilled in them. It is clear that they understand the role of servant leadership and the importance of serving our brothers and sisters around us. 
I thought they are shining examples of exactly what Jesus is talking about in our text today. When he says, did you hear that in verse 11? The greatest among you will be your servant. The greatest among you will be your servant. Jesus goes on to talk about in the text this contrast between those who exalt themselves and those who humble themselves. He says there are the people who only serve to be seen, not because they're trying to really help someone else, that they want to have the honor and the respect, the title, if you will, but they're exalting themselves, and he says they will be humbled. And there are others who serve because they see others in need and they really want to help. And those humble ones will be exalted in the kingdom. But we don't have to go back to biblical times to experience this phenomenon, do we? It happens in the news, unfortunately, fairly often, where there's one among us who's been holding themselves up as a servant among us, and then we find out that, in fact, they've been using resources that we had entrusted to them for someone else for their own benefit. They really weren't selfless. They were really being selfish. They were using the guise of serving, but really that wasn't at the heart of the matter. Jesus reminds us to not follow those who do not practice what they teach. Jesus says, rather, count on your Father in heaven and look to the Messiah for guidance. And if you do that, then you will adopt this attitude of a servant, of generosity of spirit, of looking for ways to give and help those around us. The attitude of a servant. All the Sundays here in November, we're going to be talking about different aspects of the kingdom of God. This first one I'm saying is attitude. Understanding this attitude of a servant is at the heart of the gospel. You find this theme throughout the Matthew's gospel and the others as well. When Jesus teaches that the kingdom of God is when folks feed the hungry or give a drink to someone who's thirsty or clothe the naked or visit the sick and imprisoned, he says, that's it. That's the kingdom of God. Whenever you do it to the least of these, you've done it unto me, in fact. For they're a part of my family, these least among us. Jesus says are a part of my family. They're a part of the family of Christ. So that means they're a part of our family as well. And he says serving those, that's a key. That's the heart of the gospel. When he talks about that the last will be first and the first will be last. Or when he says I've come to seek and save the lost. All of that sounds like the role an attitude of a servant, does it not? Or I thought about the parable of the Good Samaritan. You remember the story, a fellow was traveling along. All of a sudden, he was set upon by robbers. He was beaten and left to die. Several people passed by without helping. But finally, one fellow comes along and picks him up and nurses his wounds and takes him to a safe place and gives money to ensure that he's restored to health. And Jesus ends the parable by saying, which one was neighbor? Which one proved to be neighbor? 
And of course, by then, we all know the answer. Oh, it's the one that helped the beaten and battered man, the one who served him. That's the one. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Look for those opportunities when on life's journey that there's others around us in need that we can serve and you will be helping to build the kingdom of God. In a few moments, we'll all have opportunity to come receive the elements of Holy Communion. Those who are viewing on television during that time are going to get to see a video about Lydia Patterson Institute. It's one of our United Methodist Ministries in El Paso, Texas. A couple of weeks ago, a couple of dozen of us went down there to serve in their midst. We went to serve them, but you know the remarkable thing, it's a high school, middle school and a high school. It's for very poor children who otherwise wouldn't have opportunity to learn English, maybe not even graduate high school, and yet because of the work of the United Methodists, 95% of these some 400 students are not only graduating high school, but going to college. And we were there to serve, but you know what we saw when we got there early in the morning? Some of the students were already sweeping the sidewalks, some working in the kitchen, some mopping the floor, some cleaning the bathrooms, some cleaning the whiteboards. There were students serving all across that campus all during the day and after school even. We were there on a Saturday. We went by the school on Saturday morning. You know what? We had a dozen students out in the courtyard cleaning up, doing some touching up on the painting, serving for the good of all, helping their school out. Part of their education is learning how to serve others for the good of all. I know I need to go on trips like that every so often to remind me what it's like to serve others, to be a humble servant, to be close to this message that Jesus teaches us in the gospel, the greatest among you will be your servant. In this same gospel, Jesus also reminds those who are listening, I have come not to be served, but to serve. There's United Methodist Church in Ganta, Liberia called Miller McAllister United Methodist Church. I had never heard of it until recently, and they were in the news. They are right in the middle of the Ebola outbreak. It's killing thousands of people all around them. Their pastors say they were oh so very aware of it, but it really came home to them one Sunday morning when there was a young man who called in the local radio station. He said, I am at home. We are quarantined. Ten of my family members have already died. Their bodies are still in our house. Others are sick. We have run out of food. We have no medicine and nobody will come. He was threatening to take his family onto the streets just to have a chance at survival. The pastor said, when we heard that, we felt like we had to respond. We asked our congregation that morning if they would give extra so that we would have some funds to begin to be in ministry, not just with that family, but other families we were aware of in our town that had been victims of the Ebola virus. She said, we raised some money, 
Then we organized into small teams of four, five, and six. We purchased some supplies and some food, and then we began to go into these areas that, in fact, were restricted. Nobody else wanted to go. The government had asked no one to go, so we got permission. She said, we, do, we did everything we knew how. We wore long sleeves and jackets and long trousers. We took water and soap to wash our hands, so between every interaction... We could do that. When we took the food and the supplies to the home, we set them down outside, and then we moved back. But she said, you know what? It gave us a chance to not only take the supplies, but to interact with people who were isolated and feeling oh so very alone. It gave us a chance to pray with those families who had been so devastated by this outbreak. She said, oh, it's not that we didn't harbor fears. This was a risk-taking mission. But she said, we all believed that God wanted us to feed the people who were isolated and hungry and to give them hope by our presence. The associate pastor at that church is Reverend Anna Kador Labala. She's leading their ministry to these people. I think she is a servant. I think that church is a great example of faith in action, sort of the gospel in high definition, if you will. But it's not only what that church is doing. Do you realize you're a part of that ministry? Those are your dollars at work. If you're a United Methodist and you ever give to God through your church, a portion of your dollars go beyond your local church always. We call it apportionments. We have this connectional system of churches and ministries around the globe. Guess where Reverend Kabbalah went to seminary? Dallas, Texas, SMU, Perkins School of Theology. Your dollars make that seminary possible. Her bishop went to Kansas City, Missouri, St. Paul School of Theology for his education. You all have a part in that church being a vital witness in the middle of the Ebola crisis. It's your dollars at work making a difference. But not only that, we have an office of United Methodist Communications in Nashville, Tennessee. They're now 